This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Southern California Live Hour 2. Great to be with you today on this exciting day together. Robinson, back for the captain, Tyler Adams. Austin McKay, Des making a big run. It's meant for him. Des is snuck in behind. Des in the middle. Pull it That was the call of the game-winning goal. U.S. beats Iran, one nothing today in the World Cup, and uh, the United States moves forward. Now, I don't know how many of you are really watching the World Cup. It's an interesting thing, actually, that those of us in the United States, we're like the one country that is less involved with uh, soccer or football, as the rest of the world calls it, than anywhere else. But uh, there is a certain political angle to the game today between the United States and Iran. And I want to talk about this today with what's happening in China, what's happening in Iran, and maybe you're unaware of what's happening in these countries. We as believers need to be aware. And let me tell you something else. Here in Southern California, we need to be aware. I want you to know this, that in Southern California, there are over 700,000 Iranians. In fact, there are more Iranians in Southern California than any other place in the world except Iran. That's it. Um, that in... So it, a lot of our audience, a lot of our Christian brothers and sisters uh, who are here, who are Iranian, they live right here. They're our neighbors. They, we work with them. They're right here. Same is true for people who are Chinese. Over half a million people live just in uh, Southern California who are Chinese, who are dealing with what's happening in China. Are you aware of the protests in China? Are you aware of the protests in Iran? We'll talk about Iran first. I think it's important for us to be aware of these things. This is a report about the soccer game, and it gives you a little bit of information coming from Fox 5 News in San Diego. Iranian government officials reportedly threatening the families of its national soccer team players based on their behavior. This all comes after Iranian players refused to sing their national anthem in their opening match against England. That happened last week. According to a source involved in security of the games, families of the players were threatened with imprisonment and torture if they, quote, failed to behave ahead of the matchup. That includes not singing the anthem or if they joined in any political protest against Iran's current regime. The country faces political turmoil over its human rights, sparked by the death of a young girl who died after being detained by Iran's morality police. So what has been going on is very, very significant, and we need to know this. We need to be aware that in this world today, there are Christians around the world who are suffering. There are people who aren't Christians who are suffering, and we need to be aware of that as well. Maybe you don't know this, but... There's a lot of uh, Christians in Iran. It's a Muslim nation, of course, but not everybody's on board. And most people are, in fact, not on board with what that government is doing. And we need to be aware of the suffering that is happening there within the body of Christ and the opportunity for so many people to share the gospel. A couple of months ago uh, in Iran, there was a a young woman. uh, She was 22 years old. Her name was Masha uh, Amini. And she was arrested by Iran's uh, so-called guidance patrol for incorrectly wearing her hijab. And she died in police custody. And the official report, report blamed her death on heart failure. But people saw it. People, there's a video of it. You can go watch it. And eyewitnesses and her family insist that she was so severely beaten. In the video, the one I've seen, you don't really see how bad the beating was. You do see her getting beat, um, that she died of a fatal brain injury. 
And what happened after that, and this is important, you know, when you think about Iran, what do you think about as an American? The soccer game today, you know, there was, there's a lot of buildup to say, you know, we're sort of two enemy nations, and certainly there's a, a piece of that, but I, I didn't feel it the same way. What I felt and what I heard from a lot of people, and maybe you can call me and tell me what you think about all these things. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Um, what I felt actually, and encouraged by this, that there was a lot of support for the Iranian team, even from Americans, where, yeah, people who are rooting for the United States team to win, I think this will take the U.S. men's team the furthest that they've ever gone. Somebody told me today, and uh, you can call me and correct me if I'm wrong about that, but that's what I heard today, and that's exciting. But there's a part of a lot of people who thought maybe it would be better for Iran to win. And so this soccer team, what they did recently uh, in this tournament, the World Cup tournament, it's in Qatar, or Qatar, Q-A-T-A-R. I think it's Qatar is how you're supposed to say it, but that always sounds weird to me because it looks like Qatar. Um, one of the things that they did was they did not, the soccer players on the Iranian team did not sing the national anthem. They did, the music was playing, the Iranian national anthem, the music was playing, uh, but they didn't say anything. And you could see that their lips were closed. And part of that is because deep down, the, the Iranian national anthem is really not something that supports the Iran that a lot of Iranians uh, believe in. It doesn't support the beliefs that they have. Many people who are from Iran do not support the Islamic regime there. And this is one place in the world where it's actually a theocracy, where the government is run by religious rulers and they are totalitarian we call them uh, state sponsors of terrorism. It's controversial in so many ways, uh, Iran, because whenever we've had arrangements, you know, the Iran deal from the Obama administration, President Trump criticized that. And um, what was that for when we know that they're working on nuclear weapons? See, we're worried about Iran building, that government building a nuclear weapon, because in some respects, some people are afraid that they might actually use it for religious reasons. Okay, so I met a diplomat years ago, and this is what he told me. And he he talked about, this was shortly after 9-11, and he talked about George Bush's axis of evil. Remember that? The axis of evil, and who was it? Well, it was Iran, Iraq, and North Korea. And uh, he talked about that, and he talked about the threat of nuclear weapons, whether Saddam was working on them or not, he didn't know, but he knows that Iran is working with them. And we knew that North Korea, of course, is trying to get them. And he talked a little bit about China and Russia. And he said, you know, as a diplomat, we look at this world differently. Now, this is one guy's opinion, but it struck me as true. He said, with most of these countries around the world, Russia or China or even North Korea, he said, when we're dealing with, with negotiation and diplomacy regarding nuclear weapons, we are negotiating for peace. We believe that peace is possible with these nations. That's what he said. He said, even with North Korea, he said, we believe that that regime might pass away and the kid who takes over. Now, this didn't happen. It was Kim Jong-un's dad, Kim Jong-il, I think was his name. And at the time, we didn't know what Kim Jong-un was going to do. But he was hopeful that if Kim Jong-un was not like his dad, that he might open the country up and provide freedom and food for his people and not continue to pursue the hostile regime that's there. Well, unfortunately he did, but there's still, I'm sure there's still a hope for a next generation eventually. The idea was, is that in some of these countries, they don't really want to be wiped off the planet by nuclear war. So even though they might threaten nuclear war, they're probably not going to do it. We used to call it in the Cold War, we used to call it uh, mutually assured destruction or MAD, right? That 
one of the things that prevented the United States and Russia from having a nuclear war was that there would be mutually assured destruction, that both countries have enough weapons that they'd be able to fire off to destroy the other one. And that was a pretty good tactic to to keep people at the negotiating table. And we have some concerns about that now because Putin's a little crazy, but that's probably still in play. And this diplomat was saying the same thing. And he said the same thing about North Korea, said the same thing about other countries. He said, we negotiate for peace. But then when he talked about Iran, he said, with this government, we negotiate for time. And I said, well, what do you mean? He goes, the difference is, is we think they might actually shoot off a nuclear weapon. And he named some cities around the world he thinks they might, they might shoot one at. He thought they might shoot one at uh, Haifa, which is a port town in Israel. He thought they might shoot one at uh, somewhere in Europe, different places. He said, you know, they might do it because they might have a religious conviction and sometimes maybe the leadership of that country, not the people, but the people who are in religious leadership, they may not care about losing their life in service uh, to their God, is what he said. So we negotiate for time. He said, so what we do is we come to Israel and we say, hey, um, Iran says they want to destroy you, but they'll wait another five years if you just give them a little bit of land. Or if you change this policy, they will put off their plans to destroy you another 10 years. He said the hope is, is that eventually there will be an uprising and take out that government or something would change. He says, but we don't have a lot of hope about that. I thought it was a very profound conversation, that there was a sense from a diplomat who had complete hope about negotiation for peace around the world and everywhere else except Iran because of that. And what we have seen here is, and what we're seeing here, the threatening of these players because they didn't sing the national anthem, their families were threatened. I want you to think about this. The next time, and and think about this in this context, the next time somebody is critical of our country, we've got our problems for sure, okay? But I think what we're seeing on the news right now, it shows us the great difference between a totalitarian system, whether it be a theocracy like Iran or a communist uh, government like China. I think what we're seeing is the big difference and what a blessing it is to be here. These people are having their lives threatened and their families personally threatened for not singing a song. I mean, think about that. We've had people protest our national anthem and they've had some difficulties and some bad press or they've even had a Nike contract. I mean, there's, there's, we have our tensions with this kind of thing, but there's so much freedom that we have. Right now, they don't have freedom. And something that we need to do is pray for this Iranian soccer team because they might be going back and and being executed. It's a real possibility because they protested. And this wasn't the only thing. There's been some uh, tinkering around uh, online. Here's a little bit more of the story from uh, Fox News in San Diego. Iran called for the U.S. to be kicked out of the World Cup. Outrage over the U.S. Soccer Federation's now-deleted tweet showing an altered icon of the Iranian flag. The flag was missing its Islamic Republic emblem, a sign of support for protesters in Iran. The country is grappling with unrest after a 22-year-old woman who was arrested for how she wore her hijab died in police custody in September. So that event happened in September where the woman was beaten. And since then, there have been protests almost every weekend and throughout these last couple of months. And what's happening is the Iranian guards, Iranian governments are now targeting people. Hundreds have been killed um, in these protests. And at least 58 young people have just been murdered, five of them in this last week. And I want you to know this is going on. Maybe you've noticed this. There have been 
supportive uh, marches and protests in Los Angeles and San Diego and just about every town, every you know major city across the country, um, but especially here in the Southland. Maybe you've driven by and you've seen this or you've seen a glimpse of it on the news. This is something I think that we need to be extremely aware of and be praying, not just for the people there, but there's also an opportunity here for maybe change in a regime that does threaten the world, that threatens their own people and threatens the stability of the whole world. Now, God is always in control. If these things scare you, uh, I understand it's uh, you know not a not necessarily a comfortable thing, but we should be aware of it, and we should look at these things in a sober-minded way to realize this. I think Christians might be—I think most Americans, frankly, are not very on board, not very—I don't want to say on board, not very aware of what's happening here around the world. We're becoming aware of it. I think the World Cup is putting it in our face and in the news, and um, it's a big deal for us. The— um, a reporter challenged one of the United States athletes uh, this way. You're pronouncing our country's name wrong. Our country is named Iran, not Iran. Please, once and for all, let's get this clear. Second of all, um, are you okay to be representing a country that has so much discrimination against black people in its own borders? My apologies on uh, the mispronunciation of your country. Um, Yeah, that being said, you know, there's discrimination uh, everywhere you go. And that young man handled that question pretty well. But it was a hostile and threatening question that he's getting from uh, this reporter who is being driven by the government. This is this is right now. This is 2022. And it's not to say that, that things – we don't have problems in our own country. But there is not a moral equivalency. There just isn't. There is an evil that is being done, and there's different degrees of evil. Okay, I understand that. But there's an evil that's being done in Iran to their own people for a long time. And right now what's happening is thousands and thousands of people have been protesting it now for two months. For two months. And, you know, these things have happened from time to time. Uh, A very interesting interview. By the way, you're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. If you would like to join the conversation, have some input on this, the number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. You can also send me an email at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. I'm wondering if this even comes as a surprise to you, how aware. It, it kind of doesn't get – I watch the cable news. It pops up on the cable news, and I've spent a couple of days watching the different channels to see what they put on there. You know, and most of the cable news is about Trump or about the election in, in Georgia or what's happening in the Congress and a lot of local stuff. I understand it. That's us. But I think that these things that are going on across the world in China and Iran are a major, major story that actually impacts our lives. And how should we handle it? There was an interview with Barack Obama on a podcast called uh, Pod, uh, I think it's called uh, Pod Bless America or something like that, okay? Um, And it's a uh, more of a liberal podcast. But President Obama was harshly criticized at the beginning of his administration because there were uprisings in Iran at the time. And people said, you know what, Mr. President, you need to support these protesters if they are successful at overturning their government. It will be great for the world. And the Obama administration failed to do that. They kind of ignored it. And the Biden administration is not saying a whole lot about it now. But here's the words of former President Obama. He had this to say in October. There is deep dissatisfaction with the Iranian regime. Um, Number two, that women in particular are chafing under a a series of, of not just systematic um, 
discrimination against women and 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 subjugation of women, but um, also an arbitrariness and and uh, cruelty uh, beneath. Uh, that, that that's exercised by the state against women, mm-hmm. uh, which has made them uh, essentially say uh, we're fed up, we're yeah. tired of this, uh, and that's extraordinarily powerful. Um, whether it ends up bringing about fundamental change in that regime, I, I think is 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 hard to predict. So he began to talk about it, but then he made this this, which I thought was stunning. I thought it was great that he had this to say, but I'm hoping that the Biden administration is listening. This is what President Obama went on to say. Now, he's saying this this past October, October of 2022, and the protests that he's referring to happened during his administration in 2009-2010. And when I think back to 2009-2010, you you guys will recall, there was a a big debate inside the White House about whether I should publicly affirm uh, what was going on with the Green Movement because a lot of the activists were being accused of being tools of the West, right. and there was some thought that we were somehow going to be um, uh, undermining their street cred in Iran mm-hmm. if I uh, supported what they were doing. Uh, and in retrospect, I think that was a mistake. Uh, every, every time we see a flash, uh, a, um, a glimmer of, of hope, of, of people longing for freedom, I think we have to point it out. We have to shine a spotlight on it. We have to express some solidarity about it. That is a great statement by the former president. I'm I'm shocked, actually. Most presidents don't acknowledge mistakes at that caliber or things that they wish they would have done differently. Most don't you know, most will defend whatever decisions they made. I'm sure they had those conversations. And, and that conversation that he's referring to means this. And, and the, the Biden administration is having this conversation about China and Iran right now. And maybe there's a difference. And I, I think maybe there is a difference between how we should speak out about what's happening in China versus what's happening in uh, Iran. You know, And for, for this reason, what they're afraid of is that they don't want the protest to look like something that the Americans are driving. They don't want... The people in uh, – they don't want the Chinese government, for example, to say that the Americans are driving these protests that are happening in China right now. They don't want – the Iranian government doesn't, you know, would love to be able to say President Biden is driving these things. I think there's a difference, and I think this is where maybe President Obama uh, – obviously, I haven't talked to him, but he's just welcome on the show anytime, Southern California Live. Uh, as is any former president. We'll have you on here. Or if you are running for president and you want to make your announcement, obviously, this is the show you should do that on. I think that President Obama has maybe made this distinction in his mind. This is what I would guess, is that Iran's a different country, and we have a different relationship with Iran than we do with China. And the relationship we have with Iran is more hostile and openly hostile. They're a state sponsor of terrorism. And uh, we have, you know, it's a it's a very different relationship. Plus, their military isn't as strong. They don't, they don't until they get nuclear weapons developed, which is probably going to come next Tuesday, they... Uh, not really Tuesday. I'm just making that up. What I mean is soon. But until that happens, you know, we still have a lot of power over them. And I think that he's right. I think that he should have stood up for those protesters. And I think President Biden and our country, we need to stand up for the protesters now. They're fighting for freedom and they are having their lives threatened by the government. You know, when we had uh, all those protests here a couple of years ago, 
you know, and we've got different opinions about all of that. Uh, but the federal government didn't bring out the tanks. Now, the federal government is probably being unfair to a couple of the uh, January 6 people. Not unfair to all of them, but uh, unfair to a couple of them. Um, and we need to be aware of that. But we, it's still not as bad as what's happening in Iran or what's happening in China. And I believe that we need to pray for particularly our brothers and sisters in Christ who are Iranian. Did you know that the belief is, it's Christmas time, right? The belief is, is that the wise men came, the three wise men from the Christmas story, you've heard of them. Uh, the first thing you should know is that they didn't arrive on Christmas night. They arrived two years later. Uh, that's why we put our uh, our three wise men in our nativity scene. We keep them in another room because they haven't arrived yet. They're not really part of that biblically. Go read the story. It's true. Uh, but the story historically is that they believe that those wise men came from Persia, which is where Iran sits. And if you go to Iran, there is a, a Christian church where they are presumed to be buried, these three guys. Now, we're not really sure if it's the three guys. And obviously, we don't know if it's only three. We know there are three gifts. That's why they say three. But the, the story is three. We need to pray for these people and realize that there is a geopolitical opportunity if that government is overthrown. It would change the world. It would maybe move Iran to a place where rather than negotiating for time, we could actually negotiate for peace. You're listening to Southern California Live, and uh, when we come back, we'll talk about that a little more and China. Uh, Maybe you're not aware of the different things that are going on in China right now. Also scary, but also impacting our country in a significant way. I'm Scott Furrow, your host of Southern California Live, and we'll be back as the Tuesday edition continues. Stay tuned. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Text Scott right now in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Scott Furrow, your host. You can join the conversation by calling 888-528-2557. We're talking about the the protests that have been going on in Iran and uh, also China. We'll get to that more here in a little bit. And, uh, you know, when it comes to Iran, it's in the news, especially now. It's been going on for two months And it's scary because that regime will, you know, is likely to eventually crush all these people. But there is a possibility that they would overthrow that regime. I think that would be good for everybody and the world. Let me go to the phones here. Ted in Los Angeles, City of Angels. Ted, welcome to Southern California Live. Hello, sir. Ted, once again, City of the Angels. Amen to that. I just want to touch base on, uh, you know, different dialects of the world. Didn't Christ... uh, uh, come and communicate to everybody in all tongues. And, I, you know, I work with Latinos that call Cuba, Cuba. And we chuckle back and forth. Uh, you have English people with accents that I don't understand what they're saying. And if they you, don't if you're, hold on a second, Ted. If you're just tuning in, we played a clip in the uh, last segment. I'm going to play that here real quick. And it was a reporter okay. uh, from Iran criticizing an American mm-hmm. soccer player for saying Iran. You're pronouncing right. our country's name wrong. Our country is named Iran, not Iran. So it was kind of rude and threatening question there. So go ahead, Ted. I just want to bring people up to speed. Well, I just feel it's childish. It's sandbox. It's just like being in a sandbox. It's like, you know, uh, we all pronounce things differently. Um, and here in America, it's called Iran. You know, so uh, I know people from Boston. They call a car a car. A car. You know, everything's got an accent wherever you go. It's That's the beauty of this world. And, you know, they claim to have Christians in Iran there. Well, they should understand that. 
that Jesus came and communicated in all languages. We're not yeah. offending them. Well, they're them. not, uh, you know, I appreciate your call, Ted, on that. And, you know, I think you're right. It is a childish thing, but it was the one way that that reporter felt like he could attack Americans, you know, and uh, you, you, if there is a correct, uh, you know, a correct pronunciation, we should probably respect that as much as possible. But uh, it's really not a big deal. What was it that President Obama used to call, we always say Pakistan, but he would always say Pakistan. But he lived there for a while. He probably knows. I don't think anybody's shifting to uh, that pronunciation. 888-528-2557 is the number. Azar in Orange County. Welcome to Southern California Live. Go ahead, Azar. Yes. Hello. Go Hi. ahead. Yes. Hi. Um, my name is Azar, and I'm calling from um, uh, Michelle, Orange County. Yeah. And I was just listening to um, about whether, what was uh, President Obama was talking about um, during his government that the, like there was a green movement in Iran, which was similar to this movement. Yeah. And um, whatever he's saying right now is very political to me because the way that President Obama taking care of the issue was he actually released after that movement that was um, destroyed by the Iranian government. He actually released $1.7 billion to those governments who are the who are the, like the So he's supporting them. You know, he's, what is he saying right now is actually contradicted with his action. Yeah, I think why that's what he was I think money? that's what I think that's what he was saying, which is why I thought it was kind of remarkable that he would say that because you're correct. It does contradict with his action. And yes. I'm I'm very curious about the timing of this comment because, you know, sometimes I think politicians or former presidents will subtly communicate with the next person or they will put something out, you know, out there because you know, if he believes what he's saying in that interview, then he thinks that what he did was wrong. And that maybe President Biden needs to not yeah, follow suit. Yeah. And I'm afraid President Biden is um, not going to speak out the way and maybe even send more money. Right. I mean, that's a that's yeah. a big deal. That's I a, mean, sending money to uh, support the Iranian government, not the people. Right. Not the people. And that's the big deal is it supports the Iranian government. Azar, thank you for yeah, calling and, and, and for and listening. What, You're right about that. It's and that's what I want to get at here, too, is that we need to support the people. You know, that government is an evil government. They are a sponsor of terrorism. If you've grown up, you know, it used to be they were bombing planes and doing all kinds of stuff, and we don't hear about that as much. But what they're doing is they're pursuing nuclear weapons that a lot of people, including my diplomat friend I spoke about in the last segment, think they might actually use because they have a religious reason where they don't care if we shoot back. Um, and it's really a big deal. So what I was getting at with the Obama quote in the last segment is that it's remarkable that he would actually say that he handled that wrong. And I think that what I'm hoping is that President Biden hears that, and I know they're having the same conversations. This is a this is a clip from uh, Karine Jean-Pierre, who is President Biden's um, spokesperson, and she was on Air Force One today as they were traveling, and she was asked about the situation in China and why they're not speaking out on it. And this is what she said. Listen carefully. So I, I don't have anything to preview for you at this time on um, uh, on you know anything uh, connected to the social media. Your first, your second question. Uh, I don't have any calls to preview to you for you at this time. 
Look, we've been very clear uh, that people have a right to peacefully protest without fear. Um, and, uh, and we don't think that the, that right should be hindered or interfered with. Uh, nothing has changed about the president's firm belief in the universal universality of human rights and power of democracy. And so we will continue to express our support for the fundamental freedom. Uh, the United States will also continue to stand for respect for freedom of the press and freedom of expression. No journalist should be arrested or beaten or harassed for simply doing their job as it comes to uh, some of the reports that we've been hearing uh, on the ground. And we're watching this closely as you, as you might expect that we would. Uh, and we believe that, uh, you know, uh, you know uh, that uh, people should have the right, again, to peacefully protest. So that is the administration's uh, usual reply to why aren't you speaking out in support of the protesters in China and also in Iran. And I think it's because they're having the same conversation that we heard in the clip from President Obama a few moments ago, where they are discussing where they don't want to change the situation on the ground so that it looks like these protests are being driven by the United States. Does that make sense? Um, however, what President Obama said is that that was wrong with Iran. He was criticizing himself on that, that they should have stepped in. And I agree. I think President Biden today needs to be forcefully speaking out against the violations happening in Iran. They're murdering kids. They are killing people just for speaking out. And if we really believe in those things, we've got to speak out. And our relationship with Iran is not one where we have arrangements like we have with China, where we have trade issues and complicated politics and a one China policy where we don't want to say if China really is Taiwan or, or China. And we, you know, we're doing a dance over there. Maybe it's different with China, but maybe it isn't. I got to tell you, I'm, I'm of the mind that as a nation, but certainly as believers, you know, our president may not always do this, but we need to speak out in favor of those people who are being oppressed, like really oppressed. And what we're seeing in Iran and China is severe, all right? It is the worst maybe in, uh, maybe not the world, but it's very close if, if not. And something else you should know about Iran, then maybe I'll move to China. You can join our conversation, by the way, by calling 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Um, this is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. Christians... Christianity is growing in Iran. And Iran, according to Open Doors, is one of the most persecuted. Christians are persecuted there more than just about anywhere else in the world. They're on their top list. And yet the faith is growing. Here's what's interesting. In 1976, before the Iranian Revolution, if you're old enough to remember, there was the Shah and it was a different government. And there was a lot of freedom there. Uh, There were 168,000 Christians, okay, in uh, a country of 33 million. That's not a lot. That's half a percentage point, right? Well, after the revolution and over the next few years, that number dropped a lot. of, And now this is known Christians, okay? This is people who, who answer some survey, a census that says they're actually Christians. I think there's a whole lot more. In 1986, it went down to 97,000, uh, and uh, 96, it was 78,000. But in 2006, it was 109,000. In 2011, it was 117,000. And it's growing dramatically. Christianity, our faith, think about this, is growing in Iran right now. And these are the people who answer the survey. It's probably much bigger than that. And you need to know that there's a lot of Iranians who are uh, right with us here in Southern California. There's a larger um, group of Iranians in Southern California than anywhere else on the planet except Iran. 
And many of them are believers in Jesus, and they have a true faith. I'll tell you a little story. And for whatever reason, at uh, my church where I was the pastor, we got a lot of Iranian people to come and join and tell their story. Some of them had been here for a while, but some of them escaped. And one couple that, that legitimately escaped, and I think their story is legitimate. You know, some people who come over here and they're looking for asylum, you know, they can make stuff up and, and uh, you know, that happens. And there's a trial if, if they actually go. Uh, I think that the, uh, the people who are telling the truth, they tend to go to their trials, right? Because they, they're telling the truth. Their story was that they were in an underground church. They had all kinds of detail about it. They knew who the pastor was. They told me how it worked and where they met. And the Iranian guard busted it up one time and said, if you guys continue to gather, we know about, they knew about him for a long time and let him go. But at some point they just decided they didn't like the pastor probably because he was preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, Muslims do not believe that Jesus was the son of God. Okay. He's definitely not the son of Allah. That's what it says on top of the dome of the rock. Did you know that? that at some point Jesus is going to be on the Temple Mountain and right there on top of that mosque that's up there right now, it says, uh, God has no son, which I think is, uh, I think it's remarkable that that might, might very well be uh, where Jesus is going to stand here uh, in the future. Um, they talked about how they were all threatened uh, for being in prison, that they were in prison for a while, and then they decided to leave. They had a little girl who had some health problems, and they had to raise $50,000 just to get smuggled out of there. They ended up in Brazil and worked their way up to the United States. And um, he spent some time in, uh, in, in jail for crossing the border, actually. And she was let go because of her, her child, but she was um, allowed to um, be free until the court date. Anyway, we worked with them. But their story was powerful about Christians sharing their faith. And she talked about this woman and this man. They talked about people who stayed, who chose to continue meeting in Iran, even at the threat of their life. This is happening right now. This is happening in the church right now. God and the gospel will not be hindered even by the most evil regimes in the world. Hey, when we get back, I'll give you a little bit of update on uh, on China. You can give us a call and join the conversation, 888-528-2557. And I think you need to know what's happening there in China because it also affects every one of our lives and Christians are being affected just as well. This is Southern California Live. I'll be back as the Tuesday edition continues. Stay tuned. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Well, we're already seeing this very, very heavy security presence in all the areas where there have been protests, including here in the Capitol. Last night, I went back to that exact same place where I was the day before at the protest. And you can see in this video that we filmed when we drove by that it is eerily quiet with a giant row of police vans parked with their lights flashing. And there were moments during that protest the other night, I was standing there feeling like I could have been in other, any other open democratic country in the world. But this, going there just the following day, is a stark reminder that this is a police state with far-reaching security and surveillance capabilities. This is a country where Facebook and Twitter and platforms like that are banned. The main messaging platform people rely on is monitored by authority. So it's risky, it's hard for protesters to communicate, to mobilize, to just have their voices heard. But while the authorities, they can get rid of all the evidence at home, they can't get rid of the rage people are feeling or the ability of these videos to spread overseas, John. That was Selena Wang on uh, CNN reporting about her trip to China and what she observed with the protests that are going on over there. You know, we had a bunch of protests in Hong Kong as freedoms were being taken away by the Chinese government, and uh, basically we ignored it. 
you know, how much time did that get and, and attention did that get? We, we stepped back. We didn't say a lot. And right now, what are we going to do? We have these uprisings of people who are basically sick of the COVID restrictions. They're sick of other stuff, too. But the COVID is pretty severe. The zero COVID policy in China is the idea that we're going to wipe out this thing and we're going to isolate people. So what they do, if you've got the COVID, they take you out of your house and they lock you in a cell somewhere all by yourself. And you wear a space suit and they bring some food, maybe. and uh, Or they lock you in your house. There's a whole bunch of things that have been done in different different parts of the country. And they lock you up for, for months. And most people don't believe the, uh, the the Chinese government's numbers on the COVID. They have a pretty low number of people. I think they say that they've had, you know, 5,000 deaths and uh, 1.1.5 million cases. No way uh, is that true. Um, I think it's, you know, far worse, far worse than that. But even, you know, even the case uh, as it is, what's happening is people are – protesting this now and it's happening as far as we can tell all around china and it's another thing for us to be aware of for i think two two reasons two things to pray for maybe there's more than two things but a couple of things one is we want to pray for those people because as they protest their lives are in danger i don't know if you're old enough to remember tiananmen square and uh what happened with those protests where the chinese government eventually brought in the tanks and uh killed a bunch of people and sent everybody home and they don't mark it you know when when that happened I was in college, and I was in an economics class. My teacher was Chinese. And what's interesting is that nobody liked this economics professor. He was like the one you didn't want, but if you were pursuing that major, which I was at the time, you had to take him, and it was kind of this upper division. And he was very difficult, um, you know, and just it was one of those classes, right? And and he, he sort of rubbed people the wrong way. So he wasn't your favorite professor. However, when Tiananmen Square happened, he came to class, and I'll never forget it. He was a broken man, and he spent the entire hour, I think it was an hour and 20 minutes, come to think of it. It's like a Tuesday, Thursday class. So it was a little longer. I was at UC Riverside. And he spent the whole time pouring his heart out about the grief and the pain that he was feeling because of what had happened in China. And he spoke out against the government. He called us to do, out to do the same. He talked about years of oppression and the evils. And this is an economics professor, okay? So then he went right into the evils of communism and how all of these flowery stories about sharing things and, you know, about the glories of the central government and what it can do for the people and how we need to stop believing that. And this is also the period of time where the Berlin Wall was falling in Europe and communism in in Europe was collapsing, and I think he was kind of hopeful that maybe that movement would head into China. It didn't, obviously. Uh, I'll never forget that, though. And then he became kind of this uh, enduring professor, right? It's it's interesting how somebody that you really didn't want to go sit in his class, and then you get to know where their heart really is. You know, I think I think that all of our grades got a little better because we paid a lot more attention to lectures after that. I think that we we worked hard for him a little bit more after that. And I'll, I'll, it was a hard class. I mean, to be honest with you, I think that was my last economics class. And I said, I'm tired of math. I'm going to be a history major. Uh, you have to count years, but uh, they go forwards and backwards. It's not that hard. Um, I'll never forget that passion and the hurt in his heart. Um, many people are feeling that today and very afraid of what might happen. Now, what appears to be happening is, as you saw in that clip, they are bringing in uh, lots of police and clearing people out. 
and there's a lot of rumors, so we don't really know what's true. The rumor is that what the government is doing, rather than bring in the uh, machinery and just have a mass murder session, that maybe what's going to happen this time, and this is in part because some video gets out. The, the, if there's a positive thing about social media, some of it is that we really get to see firsthand what's going on in some of these countries, the atrocities that are happening. Uh, atrocity is a word we need to use more often because these are atrocities. It's, it's easy to use the word tragedy. And we experience tragedy. It's a tragedy for your family if somebody is, you know, uh, assassinated or killed. You know, you're dealing. But the act itself is an atrocity. It is just the act of pure evil, and that's what happens when you kill your own, your own people. What some people are suggesting, and it's just, just a rumor, but they, they think this is what happened ultimately in Hong Kong, is that because of the social media, because people could eventually, the government could eventually figure out who the leaders were, those movements collapsed quietly because the leaders disappeared all of a sudden, and nobody knows what happened to them. It doesn't take that many leaders. And if they suddenly are identified and they um, they disappear, um, well, I think everybody understands what that means. And then it doesn't make the international story. But these things are going on. See, I think we should not ignore this. I think that we should not say, well, that's going on over there. I think that as believers, we need to understand a couple of things. Number one, there are brothers and sisters in Christ over there in China. China, by the way, is another country where Christianity is growing. It's underground. It's persecuted. Um I mentioned that Iran is like number nine, according to Open Doors, as the most persecuted for Christians country in the world. And uh, China is number 17 and increasing, um, where Christians are are persecuted. And it's pretty rough, and it's getting harder. We need to pray for them. In in our faith, we have what's called Philadelphia, not the city. All right. The word is a Greek word that means brotherly love. And if you actually go look it up, the interesting thing about brotherly love is that, and you can still find this in some dictionaries, they haven't figured out that they might want to change it. Uh, They shouldn't change it because this is true. Philadelphia originally meant Christian love. And it was the idea of loving other people for the sake of their Christianity. That the early church was known, and one of the reasons that the church exploded everywhere. In fact, one of the reasons that the church is growing, even in oppressed countries like Iran and China, is because of the love for one another that people have. It's brotherly love. It's Philadelphia. That's what that word means. It means Christian love. It was an example to the world where the idea that you would sacrifice yourself for anybody else was kind of seen as stupid in the ancient times until Jesus came along. And to sacrifice yourself for your enemies, to sacrifice yourself for a Roman soldier or to sacrifice yourself for you know a uh, somebody who's part of the government or somebody who was a tax collector or a Gentile or a Jewish person or a Samaritan or whatever uh, background you had, it was shocking to the world that Christians loved one another for the sake of their Christianity. That's what we need to be doing, and that's why we cannot turn this off in our brains. We've got to know that our brothers and sisters in Christ are suffering. The other love, though, is usually in the Bible, it's often presented as hospitality. And what that is, is it's the love of other people because of their humanity. That even people who aren't Christians, that Christians are called to love people simply because of their humanity, whether they're believers or not. And we need to be concerned that same way. Christians need to be known for this. Christians need to be known not because of their political stance, not because of how they vote, not because of uh, you know whatever they do on their, their Sunday morning show. The show can be fine, right? And and Christians need to be known for their love. This is how people will know that you love Jesus, by the way you love other people. And I think that Christians could have an impact with what's happening in China 
what's happening in Iran, if nothing else, just with our prayers. But I think those prayers are for real. I think God is hearing them. I think they are felt by persecuted believers who are there. And I don't know what God's plan is for the world. I think sometimes, you know, lots of people think, oh, this is it. Jesus is coming back soon, and we should be preparing for whatever is going to happen in the world as we approach that. That's possible. That's certainly possible. I think it's also possible that a global revolution and and change and revival might happen. And you know when it happens? It happens when the Christians around the world are known by their love. I'm going to pray for these, uh, what's going on in these countries um, right now. Would you just pray with me? If you're driving, you know, keep your eyes open. Just, you know, follow along. I'll keep it short. God, we are thinking of our brothers and sisters in Christ who are in Iran in particular, especially after that soccer game today and what all that means, you know, geopolitically for them. We know it's a scary time. We pray, Lord, that they would know the love of Christ, that they would be protected, and that they would know that you love them and that they are supported. In China, too, we know it's a scary time, and people have been brave, lots of Christians brave, along with a lot of other people. We pray for them and their protection. We pray for complete change in these governments that oppress people in some of the worst ways. We're grateful for your church. We are grateful for the believers who are there, and we also pray for those who do not know you yet that they would get to know who Jesus is because of the love of Jesus' followers in those countries. Help us to keep this in the forefront of our minds as believers here. Thank you for the blessings that we have in our own country. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, everybody. I hope that's helpful for you. Thanks for listening to Southern California Live. You get the podcast by going to Spotify. If you look for us, we're on Spotify. We're on our radio websites and all over. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. I'll be back tomorrow. God bless you. I'll see you from 3 to 5 tomorrow. Have a great night.